All right, everybody, here we are talking episode one, season eight, episode one. We're back. Uh, uh, season eight, episode one, uh, called Winterfell, where most of the action uh, takes place. Uh, and uh, there's a, kind of a new open. I'm going to start it right here. We're getting the re- end of the recap with the wall looking like a, a wave. And here we go. It starts off with like a new scene on the band, or maybe I just never noticed. I couldn't figure it out. I'm going to try to pause it live. Okay, yeah, we do have a new scene, and I haven't been paying attention. So it does look like it's the uh, ice draggy poo uh, icing the wall, possibly. And then the walkers, and then maybe to the left side, I can't really tell, some birds. Uh, I don't know, you'll be able to check it, like, every review of uh, the episode. I don't I don't check those because uh, I don't want to get in the way. And it looks like a wood, like it looks brass in the, but when it's paused, it actually looks like it's carved wood with gold paint. So it starts with this, that's like with the astroglobe. Then we go through the wall like a zooming shot through the you you and the wall. Then we have these like scrabble pieces folding uh, that look like it's winter. And we go to last hearth, then the scrabble pieces fold and we sweep to Winterfell. I guess that's the road. I just realized that just now, maybe. And we see the big tree in Winterfell, a pond that I just noticed for the first time. Even the tree even has a face. Uh, Then we go through Winterfell on the inside. And downstairs, Winterfell, uh, this is all in the opening, like the creating of this clockwork action. Very, very cool. Okay, oh boy, hold on, I gotta pause it again. It's Scooch, by, by the way, welcome back, season season eight. Uh, good to have you, what do you say? Okay, so the second scene, yeah, this one confused me, and I guess it's, oh no, now it makes a little more sense, uh, Though not quite. It's a scene, um, oh, is that Walder Frey? I guess it is the towers, uh, or whatever that Walder Frey place is, maybe. And on the left side of the band, we see a lion, maybe, or is a wolf, uh, wolfy poo. Uh, then an unknown shape, uh, oh, that's, that's a wolfy poo gone bye-bye. And then someone holding it, like, uh, so, so there's stuff uh, that looks like it's from the Twins. That's what that place was called. So I don't know if that's a hint. Uh, then we go down to King's Landing. And King's Landing's coming back together. We go through the city. Then we go to the Red Keep. Uh, really looking like a nice teak uh, wood action. We go down the stairs from the tower in the Red Keep uh, through... Uh, where they were practicing with that, uh, uh, the, the thing to catch the draggy poos. Uh, then into the throne room, we could even get the Iron Throne, Lannister Sigil. And then we see the last band we see. I knew this one. It has um, Comet. And I said, Is it, was the Comet in the movie, TV show or just a book? Or was that like in another story that I was just imagining, like a red comet? Was that? I think that was in one of the seasons of Game of Thrones. I know it was in the book. Unless, but that's a red comet, and then three, one, two, three, four, uh, flying friends, uh, and uh, then some activity. I'm pretty sure one, two, three, four. I don't know if that's a hint or not. 
or history that, uh, and then the episode opens, uh, let's see, Lost Hearts, these are my notes, I was just watching, New Bank, New Bank, Bank Shot, oh, this is all my notes, uh, Last Bark Comet, I think that's, uh, uh, but the episode runs with this kid, he's running, uh, runs through some water, they're, they're running, actually, uh, uh, this kid's running, and, uh, jump over a wagon over a stump uh, this is like a kid from also this kid was in is in the next mo- newsies movie carrying a, a news like a, a news satchel and Arya's the first friend we see she's kind of got a smug look uh, and kind of they talk about it at the end of the episode Weiss and Benioff uh, so I'll leave that for your own discovery in the trees, is snow and moss as the kid climbs a tree to watch the unsullied march into town. There's marching sound effects. Uh, Aria looking out, climbs tree. The uh, kid has a newsy satchel. We see the town outside of Winterfell kind of for the first time. And possibly some old walls of Winterfell or something. It could be a pub. Uh, there's like a barrel sign. Marching music, lots of troops, and when they do have shirts on, but I said, "Man, it must—is it cold in that unsullied armor?" And then we have the Khaleesi, your Khaleesi and mine, uh, red gloved, uh, white jacketed, Jon Snow, Arya watching. Uh, cold in that. Uh, Arya looks up as John. Uh, in the Khaleesi Pass, she breathes. She almost says something, but then she lets a moment pass and kind of grits herself uh, a little bit uncomfortable. Uh, she's got her winter goods on, too. Uh, then we see, like, all the people in Winterfell. Then we see the Hound, and Arya sees the Hound. Hound doesn't see her. Uh, and first they put that dude, but Red, oh, no, his name, now his name I forgot again. Uh, the kid, the kid blacksmith. Eventually, I, I'll forget it and then I'll remember it. Uh, I wanted to say Renly, but that's Renly Baratheon. That's someone else. I think his name has the same amount of syllables. And we have Tyrion and Varys in a, a, a what are you thinking? A cart. Uh, they get the first dialogue. They're cracking jokes. Um, then we see Grey Worm and Missandei. Or uh, uh, yeah. And uh, they're looking at the people looking at them. They exchange. She exchanges a cool look with the uh, gray worm, a WTF look. What up with these northerners? And he just gives her the typical Masande of North uh, look. And then Khaleesi's getting stared at by all the northerners. Uh, and Jen says, yeah, they're, they, they, uh, you know, they're not used to seeing people that, uh, with blonde hair or coming in, but the Khaleesi's got dragons on her side. So she's, uh, blank stares, Khaleesi. Oh, was it Mark Hamill? Does anybody like, know? I didn't look this up, but we have like some, somebody that looked a bit like Luke Skywalker from, uh, Force Awakens, uh. I didn't know if it was a Mark Hamill cameo. I didn't pause it or anything. Uh, so Khaleesi has the dragons in the house a moment. She's pleased and proud. Uh, pleased and proud Khaleesi. Then they do a flyby over Santa, like Top, uh, top Gun style. 
we get a overshot of uh, Winterfell. And Brand looks like he's been hitting the uh, like the vape or something, man. This episode because he's yeah, Raven is uh, oh so chill now. And like they just keep waiting for him to say, "Dude, uh, man." But uh, he kind of does. He's he's mellower than a mellow yellow, which isn't very mellow actually. Like if a mellow yellow was actually mellow, mellow, he'd be mellow. He's the mellowest raven. But John comes in with the Khaleesi. They say hi to Bran. Uh, yeah, Bran. That's like a stranger. It's a, Bran's. Uh, uh, I don't know what the right word is. Uh, mellow Bran look number one. Khaleesi. He says, you're a man. And he says, almost. And I said, what does that even mean? Are we talking, uh, I, I didn't know what that meant. You see, Brian, you're confusing me, and I'm just watching the show. You know, you're, he's in, enigmatic, I think. Uh, there's lots of mud on the ground. John kisses his head. Uh, Brian stares. Uh, so it's Brian stare one. Maybe that's the right thing. Brian stare. Brandon Stark stares. Uh, I think Khaleesi and Jorah, they go to meet Sansa. Uh, Sansa meets Khaleesi. Bear Island, the queen of Bear Island, she's staring. She is not impressed. Uh, neither is Sansa. Like, I forgot who that Olympian was in, like, uh, what was that, 20, what, 2008? I don't know what year it was that wasn't impressed. Uh, but Sansa's an unimpressed. Uh, and old Brand, bad news, Brandon. He says uh, there's no time to talk uh, or a greeting. Uh, he knows everything, all the all the news you don't want to know. It's a uh, meeting time in the meeting hall. They say, Kid Umber, where are you? Uh, where are your peeps? He says we need a ride. I'm not. I don't have my license yet. Uh, this is the head of the Umbers, Kid Umber. Because I'm like ten. Somebody's got to drive me to go pick up my people. It was also like kind of a thing of like who's in charge. Sansa's in charge ostensibly, but now is she overrided uh, by Jon Snow and the Khaleesi? Because he says, "My lord, my lady, my lord, my queen." And then Bear Island, she quotes Madonna. She says, "I've got something to say about it." Uh, and uh, there's a look like a LEWK. And Sansa, so she says, "What's up?" John makes one of his uh, world famous or, or uh, Westerosi famous, as far known as far as the, the, uh, the bear, well beyond Bear Island. His apologetic speeches. Uh, there's three challenge, like uh, there's like a lot of uh, candle chandeliers, uh, and uh, his speech doesn't, you know, really do anything. So Tyrion says, "Well, how about if I make a speech?" Uh, also, I noticed the tables they're sitting at were really nice. Holy mackerel, give me one of those tables. Uh, and Tyrion, instead, Tyrion just gives more. Tyrion says, let me turn off my charm and just give you more bad news. Like like one of those things where we say, okay, I'm going to tell you how you should feel and then give you more bad news. Uh, he says the Lannisters are coming to crash, uh, sleepover with all the Lannisters, most of them. 
which reminds me to like look at a map later. We will do that. Sansa, what about food? Oh, she says if you're if you're gonna have all these sleepovers, you gotta have food. Did anybody bring any food with them? Like she's kind of like been and left in charge, and she's like, would it, like I I went to the grocery store for this amount of people, and now you're rolling in with it. You're saying the Lannisters are coming over, and we know those kids, they eat as much as they want, and they want uh, you know they said are these is this gourmet popcorn or regular popcorn? Because uh, the Lannister only eats gourmet popcorn, and we don't actually eat it with our hands. You know we have it. Uh, so that's what Sansa says. She she gives there's a Khaleesi look. Uh, there's a joke uh, about what what are your puppies eat. She says whatever they want. A lot of jokes in this episode. They were well written jokes, uh, and I don't know what other people wrote about it, but I kind of felt like they said we're going to give we're going to put all the comic relief. It wasn't really comic relief though, because in a, this is a necessary like expository place setting episode. But it felt like they said, well, we gave uh, this good, we got to get everybody one good one, one or two good one liners. And I guess the jokes do give you a sense of like, uh, oh, this is, it's been 18 months. To, this is the characters I love. Uh, so this uh, Sanson Khaleesi joke, Foundry. Oh, what's this kid? I put a, uh, oh, Gendry. That's what it, it looks like, Foundry, but which would make sense, but it's Gendry. Uh, who would work at a foundry? He gets some rocks. Uh, Tyrion looks on as he's getting his rocks together. Uh, he rolls up on Sansa. Good old, he gets this look uh, from, uh, what's this, Lord Breastplate. Remember Lord Breastplate? Uh, he's been around for a while. He even knows Tyrion from, like, back in the, uh, whatever that place was called, the place that was actually had, like, the rivers or whatever, River Run. Rivendell, and I know that's not here, but uh, I forgot. Maybe it is Rivendell, but uh, he's so that's the Lord Breastplate. He still has his breastplate. Still has the same clothes on. Uh, like uh, he's very continuity check uh, on Lord Breastplate. Holy cow! And there's some more jokes. Uh, like uh, I will survive is a key kind of theme in this or we have uh, uh Tyrion definitely gets some quality lines but Sansa gets a better burn at the end uh, because it's, and it's the truth or truth because uh, she rolls Tyrion uh, and he has nothing to say about it uh, she says you were played uh, with the, I, you know not even spelled correctly by your sister uh, then we get Brand staring. Brandon staring number two. Yeah, uh, he's staring at Tyrion. Uh, this S to John at three. I don't know what that is. This Esperus uh, says, but uh, John's at the tree. His uh, the tree's eyes are closed. Arya's there. At first, she's stiff. She's got that arms at her side thing that her predecessor had. Yeah, but then there's a big hug, and I'm not going to, I'll tell you right now, this is the one part of the episode where I teared up. Uh, I think when Ari and Sansa's and Bran's reunion, and then this one, or maybe it was Bran and last season, this, I teared up, I, I got choked up. Because uh, uh, you, I think because they, like, you know they actually love one another. 
and maybe some of the other tension, the familial interpersonal tension that was between all the other characters this episode. You could let your guard down. You say, okay, they still love each other. But Arya says, you know what, uh, you, you know, I'm a, you know what, uh, usually it's Onion Knight or uh, Sir Jorah. Time for me to do some truth telling, Jon Snow. Because he actually tries to explain her and Sansa, and she de-explains him mighty quick. She says, you, uh, and she doesn't even fully de-explain him. She says, there's a lot I don't even need to say, yo, because, like, uh, about how cool and tough I am. But I'll just tell you, Sansa's a lot smarter than any of your peeps. Yeah, so that was one of the high, I mean, that was a high point for me. Yeah, both are emotional. They give another hug, but she says, you know, just remember who's family. And again, that's another thread. Uh, then, but they'll still be family because, uh, but, uh, then we're in King's Landing. Oh boy, is the weather good in King's Landing. And Cersei's out enjoying it. I didn't realize this, but she likes to just stand outside and listen to the bird calls with like 8,000 stormtrooper guards, uh, around her for I don't know exactly what reason other than show and Maester I forget what his name is he's not Clegane I'll think of his name maybe at some point uh, but he comes in he says bad news and she says that's good news for me uh, actually so I'm not worried about it uh, trouble at the wall then we see all these ships in the bay uh, we see there's a golden squid, but it has like a red symbol on it, uh, which was from G.I. Joe. Remember G.I. Joe had, uh, the people G.I. Joe was against, uh, uh, I can't say their name on here, but, uh, that's also on the sale. And also, uh, let's see, same, there's a dude from Harvard, like a hundred percent. I said that dude went to Harvard. Uh, he's seen on one of the ships and we see Euron, he goes, uh, uh, to see uh, below to make a speech uh, about the Greyjoys and the Queen and how cool he is. And he really got a lot of screen time and dialogue this episode. And I will say this actor must do a great job because I really loathe the... He said, Euron? Yep, all, like, all over it, please. I'd love to, all over it, because... Uh, but he did make a speech to... Uh, oh, um... The character's name I forget, uh, and the other character's name I forget, uh, Greyjoy, I almost had it, uh, Theon's sister, I almost had it, uh, uh, also he does this, like, it feels like he's, like, auditioning, he says, hey, Pirates of the Caribbean, I hear you're putting out one more movie, you know, if you need a lead, I think my audition is done here, you got it, and I would say they probably should, uh, then we see King's Landing, Sleaze, oh, Sleaze, 2049. Oh, 2049, here's a, here's a uh, Queen Cersei, not really a joke, but Queen Cersei's so rich. Uh, how rich is he, Scoot? How rich is she, Scoots? Actually, by the way, Scoots, your joke, uh, these things have existed the whole series and not just in this episode. Uh, thanks. How rich is she? So rich, she has uh, heaters for her column, marble columns. But I guess they've been there the whole time. And I don't know, do they heat the marble column? Or are they just for light? Or I mean, I see it kind of makes sense. How it rises, a warm marble column would radiate heat. 
Uh, but I just, I don't know. Uh, so that's how rich Queen Cersei is. She has uh, Peter's for marble columns. Uh, small mystery. What was a small mystery and more glamming? I don't know what the small mystery was. Maybe like oh, that he snuck off, but she wanted elephants. The Golden Company's there. And the dude from the Golden Company, he like uh, he's the Harvard dude. He looks like a, like a, not like one of the Winklevoss twins, not the actor that played it. Like I said, is that one of the Winklevoss Winklevi? And it's not against anything. It's just he's striking a Wink Winklevalian pose. I, I said, uh, yeah, I don't know. I just said, okay, that would make sense. The Golden Company Winklevosses. Uh, they said, well, yeah, we're uh, here in uh, acquisitions. Uh, we're here to acquire your gold and whatever else we can get. Uh, Captain Strickland, uh, even that, you say, okay, you sound like you should be CEO. They say, I've, I've, I've always said, Mr. Strickland, can I uh, speak to you? Yeah, but the Golden Company has no elephants. Also, a win, wink, oh, that was my Winklevoss joke, I think. Okay, and then there's a long Euron uh, Circe exchange with uh, one counterpoint. Uh, and I said, this, I, I didn't really, I honestly was trying to make uh, sense of it. This is my fourth watch of it right now. And I said, Circe, is this like, uh, am I je- well, one, maybe I'm just jealous. Uh, but uh, like I said, is she playing this dude? Or is it, I mean, there's one turning at, like, a keystone here coming up. Uh, she calls him insolent. Uh, oh, yeah, so is she playing him or looking to forget? Uh, which she she goes, she says, okay, let's go hang uh, Netflix and chill like we did in 2015. Uh, she shares a look with the maester. So I think something is up, but I'm just not sure. And Blueface is like, no. Uh, then Bron is in Rumor Mill City. They talk about Archie, Tall, Handsome Will, uh, Ginger Eddie, and then the Maester rolls in, and he says, uh, break up the uh, gossip chain here. We got gold. We got the family crossbow. And you're in charge of poetic justice, Bron, or at least the full character arc for eight seasons. Uh, which will it be? And I didn't, I don't like to like totally predict things, but I did think, uh, I don't know how things are going to turn out for Brian. I mean, come on, dude. Like, uh, like hopefully he makes a choice early. So I don't have to wait until the last episode to say, Brian, don't come on, man. You got like, you don't even need, but he is a cell sword. But I do think it's interesting that the name Kingslayer came up, uh, for Jamie. And I say, wait a second, that could be a role, uh, Jamie may play, uh, I mean, like in a positive way, if he, if if Jamie's going towards redemption, uh, but we'll see. I wanted those elephants. That was a Cersei has some killer lines here. I wanted some elephants. Uh, also, I say, I put. I wonder what Euron's breath is like. Not uh, that it matters with his confidence, but uh, she goes, "You're not boring. I'll give you that." So there's another. There's another reason for me to be jealous. Uh, and then I like how she says, now I would like to be alone. And I said, that's what me all the time. I just can't ask. Uh, but at 28 minutes, you really get a, a piece of wonderful acting. Uh, yeah, she gives this look. Uh, 
and a swallow right like waits until you're in leaves and the door closes uh, after she says i want to be alone really like transcendent uh watching it now they're exchanging looks he's vamping for a while and she's just kind of playing uh you know with him a little bit but he you know he's trying to uh, be the coolest uh and she's saying yeah well uh now he's uh she says hit the road jack uh she doesn't even get up. He's got to stand and, and be cool. She's just kicking back with her vino. I did think he has a good line. She says, uh, we've done something less to men less than you. He goes, those who are lesser men. Uh, yeah, we have a couple of moments. There's another face moment when he says, hey, like, uh, something and she gives a look and now she's listening to him leave she's thinking her eyes are moving listening door closes uh true motion comes in for brief uh swallowed seconds yeah uh, we see some quiet shifts at night uh and super theon shows up who i guess i, I haven't done enough rewatching, but uh Super Theon shows up, reunites with his sister. They say, to the Iron Islands. And they say, Theon. Theon says, well, maybe to Winterfell. And then I was like, weren't you there when we reunited with, like, uh, or was he was he in King's Landing for the meeting? I thought he was, but I don't know. Yeah, he definitely was, because, uh, whatever. Uh, they say, to Winterfell, oh, yeah, I'm doing it, uh. Uh, then a sad look. Uh, then there's more marching. Uh, it's cold in the northern uh, north. Uh, tents. There's tents. And United makes a speech about uh, uh, Karstarks and uh, uh, Queen didn't know her great G uh, sound different sound effect. Oh no no, goes they're stubborn as goats. And then there's a goat sound effect. That was great. And he also says the proposal is what I'm proposing. Also, a trebuchet is getting made, maybe. Uh, and then there's like, oh, bad news versus Averis says nothing lasts. Uh, sister, don't like me. Oh, then we have Khaleesi and John talking. Your sister doesn't like me. We don't need to be friends. Uh, and then she says, uh, it's time for a dragon ride, Jon Snow. Oh, first we find out the dragons don't like the North. Uh, Jan sounds like Sam when he's nervous about the dragon ride. And then this is real Top Gun action. They go showing off. I mean, John's like barely hanging on. Uh, uh, but they go, they do a dive. This could be, oh, this was the theme park ride. You could have a sense, like fine scent, snow, this cold smell. Uh, something else smell, probably like a castle cooking stuff smell. Also, I noticed Khaleesi's maroon belt and how she was flying. So they do fly by so everybody could see. Then they land at the, oh boy, the uh, the old eight waterfalls of Umbertown. Most famous spot near Winterfeld for a kiss. And then the dra- dragons are like, you, do you know how brand stares? We're going to stare at you too if you try to kiss. Uh, 
And they say something, you know, some lines like, hey, is it cold out here? We'll warm it up, Chris. And then Jon Snow says, I'm about to. And then we see Gendry working uh, in the forge or something. Arya rolls in with a, a new uh, thing she wants. Oh, first she says hi to the hound. They're kind of stunned. Awkward. Stay close to that forge, buddy. She says, if you're cold. Uh, she she kind of wants this, like, blow spear, projectile spear thing. So she has notes for him. Uh, then, oh, no, then we have Sansa reading notes from, uh, she says, there's glovers out, is staying at Deepwood Mott's. And Sansa has to do some truth telling. Uh, but she, uh, but she wants the truth too. She says, "John, what's up with this?" Uh, but then we have Jorah and the Khaleesi. They go to uh, talk to Sam to say thanks for saving Jorah, who seems to be back in the Khaleesi's good graces. Uh, uh, there's another good line. She's they say, "So you're the man." He goes, "Which man?" And then we have another high-acting moment as Sam gets news about old uh, jerk-faced Charlie and his brother. Uh, and Jorah kind of gives these, uh-oh, like lower-eye thing. Uh, and it was highlighted by Sam saying, may I break out of here? To which he gets brain stare number three. He's wait, brain's waiting to give him a look. Uh, and he says, what are you doing? And Brian says, waiting for old friend, which if you get to watch episode more than once, uh, this is definitely uh, the full circle. I mean, that was great. Like, if you, even if you, like, if you watch the first episode and you had some sort of unfulfilled thing and then you watch it again, when you hit that moment, you say, okay, I'm fulfilled uh, now. Uh, because it just, I'm not kidding. Like it makes up the payoff of the episode so good. And he says, time to tell. Now's the time to tell John. Three, oh, theme park Ned statue. Uh, there's a sign in there that says no selfies. Uh, and Sam rolls in like I would. He trips in over everything. John's like lighting candles for his dad or whatever. And they say big hugs. And I like to, he said, were you hiding from me? And uh, Sam says, of course not. Uh, ever declines all the news. John makes a lot of apologies. Uh, uh, Sam delivers all the news and about everything, about Jerkface Charlie and about Sam and Khaleesi, or John and Khaleesi being related. More about John being king than saying, you know, you're related. Uh, so John makes a lot of apologies. Uh, says I even read the, the High Septon's diary and branded Brandon things. Uh, while they're talking, there's a nice like over-the-shoulder shot of the Ned statue. I thought it was good. And then John's like totally speechless. Uh, who will wear the crown? I don't know. Uh, then we have Tormund in the Brotherhood without banners. Old fi- old Fire Sword, our friend, who's you know the names I can't remember. Uh, actually, I love that guy's name too, Baron Baron von uh, Fire Sword. No, his name starts Baron, not Barum. I think his name's Bar- Don Don Barrick Dondarian. Uh, see, I did remember somebody's name. That other maester, Clayburn, Clyburn, there you go. I just un- unlocked a part of my brain. Uh, 
So Beric Dondarrion, I guess the other dude, I, I think he stayed in the north. I can't re- like I remember the guy that looked like uh, um, uh, not Jeff Daniels. Anyway, I don't like I'm getting mixed up. But uh, so Beric Dondarrion, Tormund, and the crew are down looking for stuff. Uh, yeah, but they're investigating someplace. Like, uh, but I couldn't. I guess it was Deepwood Mott or the other place uh, that came up. Whatever was at the beginning of the episode. Uh, which will come up because I'm going to check the map when I do the, uh, the facts. Uh, uh, Brotherhood, Old Forest, First Sword, Tormund, give you a frat low, frat low meetup uh, with that dude. Uh, oh, Tormund uh, gives Fire Sword. He goes, you go first, bro. But only by look he does that. Uh, then they meet up with the dude whose name I can I definitely can never remember, who took over the, like, north. Uh, He's like uh, Jon Snow's third best friend or second best. He originally was his third best friend, worked his way up to second uh, after Sam. And uh, I like that guy. He looks a bit like, uh, I put something. He reminds me of someone. I want to call him, uh, what name did I always want to call him? Not Sam. Oh, Ned. But I don't think his name is Ned. I think I've been calling him that, though. He's got a pretty good nickname. but they say, oh, the Night King's been here, uh, le- left some snacks unfinished, uh, and, uh, like, uh, he's on his way. So then there's serious drama because they say, okay, they're between the wall and here, so they're on their way to Winterfell. If we double up on the horses, we might just get there in time. And that goes. So drama gets ratcheted up for next episode. And then we have Winterfell. We see this one, this is like, uh, I thought it could have been who it was, but then I was like, is this some sort of uh, something to stir up the pot even more? I mean, I guess the, the whole episode is more about stirring up uh, all these fans, like uh, what the show's really about, like uh, what it's like to try to be an adult. And now these adults that have been on this eight season journey and dealing with something not easy, say Santa. Khaleesi's kind of, Khaleesi and John are a little bit oblivious, I guess, because, but everybody else says, you want us to just deal with this situation now? I guess John's trying to deal with it. Uh, They say, why do we have to deal with it, you know? Why couldn't you have just been king? Or why can't you just be total king now? Uh, What was my point, though? Oh, see, so this dude's on a horse. uh, He's got a hood on. And, uh... Then he gets off the horse and they say, hello, handsome. Because after his hood comes off, you see that jawline. Uh, they say, well, holy mackerel, that's a jaw. Devastating. You know, as they say, see, this guy, like, he puts the finesse in finesse shampoo. And he puts the H-A-W-T in V-O-5 hot oil. I said, holy mackerel, uh. He wipes his face off, and we get Brandon, number five Brandon, like, uh, of the episode. You say, Vape City, man, those eyes are only halfway open. It's like, maybe the edibles. I don't know what Brandon's been up to. Uh, but Jamie wipes off his face, and he's, Jamie goes, oh, dear. Hmm. That's, uh, my handsomeness isn't going to help with this, this situation. And Bran has his chin up for for as uh, spaced out as, as he is. I noticed his chin was literally up, uh, like his posture wise. 
and his old friend has arrived. The great payoff. Uh, it definitely like. Uh, I mean, there was the Cersei acting moment, the Sam acting moment, some really good lines, and then just this emotional completion. Actually, in some sense, I mean, we'll see how it resolves itself uh, if it does uh, or it gets addressed. But uh, got everybody, and I think the voice of off did talk about this too about everything's coming full circle. Uh, back to where it started at the beginning of the first season. Some Lannisters, uh, I mean, everybody's there but Cersei. That's in, like, I think I'd have to really look at that. Uh, and then a lot of new friends, too. I don't know if Lord Breastplate was there. I think he was out in uh, River 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 Run at Baldur's Gate. No, that's really a joke. Uh, but uh, so that's uh, the episode, and now we'll run through some facts here. Uh, so we're going to open with uh, bad news bears just because like, well, actually like a lot of the news wasn't great that got delivered and I don't know if I looked any of it up, but bad news bears, it was a movie that came out in 2005 and 76, uh, uh, American. And I think the 76 version is better. Um, uh, but I haven't watched it in a long time. Sports comedy film, Walter Matthau, Tatum O'Neill. Uh, two sig- sequels, Bad News Bears and Breaking Training, and Bad News Bears Go to Japan. In a 70 to 80 television series in a 2005 remake. Uh, it was original screenplay by Bill Lan- Lancaster. Uh, Jerry Fielding rewrote kind of some of the themes from uh, the opera Carmen. And the plot, we don't have to go like... Uh, into that, uh, but it's about kids who softball. And let's see, I don't know if we go like, uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, let's just see what else. It was, let's see, Tatum O'Neill got 350000 to be in the movie, plus a percentage of the po- profits, which were later estimated to be $1.9 million. It was filmed in LA. Yeah, the field they played, we should do that. The Mason Park in uh, Chatsworth, uh, they were sponsored by a real company, Chico's Bail Bonds. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes, uh, this is all from Wikipedia, gives it a, a, a score of 97%. And an average rating from critics of uh, 7.6 out of 10. Rude, profane, cynical, but honest, unforced humor. And a deft, understated performance by Matthau. Ebert gave the three star film three stars out of four. Scathing look at competition in American society. Uh, Cisco gave it two and a half stars, saying uh, there was more types than real people and didn't like uh, too, too much foul mouth dialogue. Uh, Variety called it the funniest adult child comedy since Paper Moon. Uh, let's see what else. Uh, I don't know anything about the 2005 remake. I mean, I saw it. Like, the issue was with me was like. Uh, that the uh, 2005 remake just had too much, uh, the acting was a little bit too much, the kid acting. It's a difficult thing. It was just too polished. Uh, it's just a film, Bad News Bears, if you want to check it out ever. And if you've been listening to this podcast for a while, you know one of the great disappointments in my life was my, well, I've only done one, was my first and only mud bath. And I definitely think it was at the wrong place and at the wrong time. Uh, but it was definitely like, it was, you know, as a kid, I said, one day I'm going to take a mud bath and then I'll know I've made it and I'm living my best life or whatever people say nowadays. Uh, 
And then when I finally did a mud bath, uh, it was more of like a bark bath. They talked about it. And it was at a resort, and I've talked to other people. It wasn't at a super fancy resort. It was at an old-school resort. And it was there, with like, romantically. But they had to. it was a 100% separate experience. Uh, so you book it together, and then they have a men's locker room and a woman's locker room. And then it was literally like a, a bathtub in a men's locker room. Uh, and that was only one thing. Like I said, there's no mountains no picturesque waterfalls but also it was like uh i was literally expecting to be in a mud bog one in two in mud this was definitely bark uh and not mud or i mean to me uh but see uh, let's see if there's any notes about it it really isn't uh mud baths in the u.s are mostly found in resorts in california and miami beach uh Made of uh, local volcanic ash, Canadian peat. That's I, I was in a peat bath, probably, and naturally heated mineral waters. And that's my problem. I, I, I wanted a mud bath, not a peat bath. Uh, in Romania, they're famous for mud baths, a uh, hypersaline environment. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I guess that's, uh, that's it. I, like, uh, I just looked it up on Wikipedia. Yeah, I feel like there was a lot of looks. Uh, so I googled LEWK for because uh, I don't know there's so many looks. I said, "What happened if I Google look LEWK?" In this article from January 6, 2015, on the uh why it's good to have a signature look LEWK. It's by Veronica uh, Veronica uh, Veronica Highland, and I'll link to it. Uh, my first inkling that a signature look was more than a time-saving game, gambit came outside a tent at uh, Somerset House in central London. Uh, it was covering, oh, let's see, I'll, I'll paraphrase, covering Fashion Week. Uh, and uh, Susie, uh, let's see, maybe, uh, let's see, Susie Menkes uh, with her trademark Lupa de Lupa Bouffant uh, in a number of street style stars, each with their own copyright worthy looks, has sailed past. Uh, you'd spot them coming and going. Uh, since the era of Coco Chanel, uh, looks have been popular and synonymous with fashion personalities. Uh, let's see, what else do we have here? A word of caution look is not made overnight. Uh, you don't find out who you are unless you work at it. Uh, so. I don't know, it's an interesting look, uh, and there's a bunch of, uh, there's a slideshow with different, like, it starts off with Karl Lagerfeld, who definitely has a look, uh, so, uh, but I think it even goes through, like, Mr. Rogers and Steve Jobs, uh, so I'll link to that article. Okay, we're going to do the lyrics of this song last, but Express Yourself came up, and uh, it's a song by Madonna from her fourth studio album, Like a Prayer, in 89, uh, it was the second single, May 9th, 1989. It was also on her greatest her greatest hits collections. And, uh, you know, my daughter, she, she almost was Madonna for Halloween. Uh, upbeat dance pop song. It's got instrumentation from brass, hand claps, drum beats, uh, chorus backed by saxophone and percussion. And we'll talk about the lyrics. David Fincher did the video, inspired by the Fritz Lang classic Metropolis, with a budget of $5 million, which would be $10 million today. 
it was the it, it is still the third uh most expensive video of all time and it's been uh, performed on four of madonna's world tours uh covered on glee and uh, let's see it has also left the work on a lot of other pop acts uh Let's see. The Look of Love from 87 film soundtrack, Who's That Girl, B-Side. Madonna started work on Lake of Prayer. She considered many options, including her musical direction. Yeah, but I don't want to talk anything else about the lyrics or anything, because it's, it's a great song. It's just crazy how well it hits. So let's see the critical reception. Uh, Rush Yourself has got mainly positive reviews. Uh, yeah, let's see. Stephen Holden of the New York Times observed Madonna repudiated the philosophy of her previous single, Material Girl, and expressed herself uh, with a more 30-year-old view of life. Uh, uh, Karen James declared it one of her most exuberant songs. Uh, so just interesting. I mean, the link to it, there's a lot more. A great, great song. All right, so one one thing I wanted to do is look at this map, uh, viewersguide.hbo.com. I'll link to it. There's also another map I'll link to because uh, it's just unsure, like, with uh, the north, like, how they know, why are they definitely coming to Winterfell? And I kind of looked at the map, and if you come from the north, uh, like, there's mountains uh, on one side. Uh, and then there's a road. So I guess if you have a, like, you'd be coming down the road and then there's a lot of forests. Uh, oh, the last hearth I think was where they were, which is between, yeah, which is where Kid Umber's from. Uh, and let's see if it has, uh, if, if, so that's like one of the towns you'd come through, you know, Molestown, the wall, then you'd come down Molestown. The gift uh, is a swath of land in the north. Then you have Last Hearth, which is the House of Umber. And my worry would be, like, what if this army's, like, cutting around Winterfell? There's Car Car Starks. Uh, those are there over closer to the water. It looks like they have a lot of woods. There's a big river. Uh, Dreadfort, that's where the Boltons live. Uh, so that's the other direction they could come. Uh, but you know the the, the Starks control that Hornwood. Uh, but I guess like oh, get, to get to the south though, you have to go through Winterfell. Oh, because Moat Kalen—that's all Modi, right? Uh, there's a lot of rivers, so I guess the, the most effective way, uh, depending on how big those rivers are, is you'd come along the mountains and then you'd avoid all the rivers uh, if you're headed south. River Run was the name of that city. I couldn't get right. Uh, and then, yeah, eventually, it's a long way to King's Landing from up there. And, of course, the Twins is down there, too. So, yeah, so that's a, like, uh, I just wanted to see that. But, yeah, the quartermaster.info info, info is the other one. Now, this is another lyrics, uh, I Will Survive, by Gloria Gaynor. I definitely associate this song with some, like, places I used to go to in the Bronx, like that. and. Uh, a meat, meatloaf song i gotta know right now or whatever that one is uh it, even though this was like uh 20 years after the original songs came out uh, i guess it was going through a, a, revi- a revival or always is playing in bars uh 
But it came out in 78 originally. Uh, tops of 14 million since its release uh, sales. It was originally re- released as a B-side to the cover of uh, Righteous Brothers song Substitute, but it became a worldwide hit uh, when Disc Disc Jockey started playing that song instead. Entered the Billboard Hop at 100 in December of the year it came out, reached number one. It was a disco. It was unique for its time by virtue of Gainers uh, having no background singers. Uh, unlike her first disco hits, the track was not pitched up to make it faster and render her voice higher and register than what she actually sang. Uh, most disco hits at the time were heavily produced with multiple voices, overdubs, and adjustments. Uh, they did a 79 a promotional video at uh, Disco Xenon, uh, oh, which was a skater one. Uh, uh, one of the skaters from the skating group, the Village Wizards, was in it. Uh, so Impact and Legacy it was listed as one of the hundred great, number one of the hundred greatest dance songs by VH1. Uh, Rolling Stone, number two of best disco songs of all time. Uh, Daily Telegraph, 48 of the 100 greatest songs of all time. And Pace Magazine put it number seven of the 60 best at dance floor classics. And let's see if I can read it in a poetic way so it doesn't come across as uh, wormy. At first, I was afraid. I was petrified. Just think about how this is uh, reflective of the North. Uh, and maybe John Snow and the Khaleesi kept thinking... I could never love you without you by my side. Uh, this kind of applies to everybody. But then I spent so many nights thinking how you did me wrong. And I grew strong, learned how to get along. Maybe Jamie was singing this as his ride to the north. Uh, and so you're back from outer space. Uh, just walked in to find you here with that sad look upon your face. Uh, it should have changed that stupid lock. It should have made you leave your key. If I'd known for one second you'd be back uh, to bother me, uh, get out of here, hit the road, out the door. Just turn around now. You're not welcome anymore. Weren't you the one who tried to, to hurt me with goodbye? Did you think I'd crumble? Did you think I'd lay down and uh, go to the big farm? Nope, I'll survive. Uh, as long as I know how to love, I know I'll stay alive. Uh, I've got all my life to live. I've got all my love to give, and I'll survive. Uh, hey, hey, hey. Uh, so that's a little bit of it from that song. Uh, okay, word SAT word for the day is insolent. I-N-S-O-L-E-N-T. Insolent. Uh, it's from the French. Uh, and this really doesn't give us a, this isn't a good dictionary. Insular. I'm not looking for the etymology uh, to insulate. Uh, Insolent. Uh, okay, I'm sorry. Like, this isn't a good definition. Okay, here we go. It's just showing a rude and arrogant lack of respect. Uh, I can use it in a sentence. She disliked the insolent tone of his voice. Uh, insolent. Uh, I-N-S-O-L-E-N-T. Insolent. Uh, so there you go. Or if you're in a spelling competition, uh, probably be in the round pretty early on, I would guess. Okay, Poetic Justice came out, and I wanted to encourage you to see the 1993 film uh, Poetic Justice. Uh, it's a John Singleton movie. has Janet Jackson, Tupac, Regina King, and Joe Torre. 
and you know regina king is uh you don't get hotter than uh, her acting right now so uh in the main uh, in the film the main character justice writes poems which she recites throughout the film the poems were uh featured were written by maya angelou who also appears in the film uh, last poets make an appearance towards the end of the film it was number one at the box office it opened with 11.7 mil and grossed uh, over 27 and a half uh, uh, Jan- janet jackson received nominations for an academy award and golden globe for best original song uh, kendrick lamar references it later in uh, kendrick lamar's single poetic justice uh, which also samples uh, Janet Jackson's song "Anytime, Any Place." Uh, got mixed reviews, but it's like a, a sleeper favorite cult film. Uh, let's see what else we got. Uh, I don't want to spoil the plot for anybody. Yeah, box office mojo. Uh, let's see. And it's really, and I don't know if the reviewers are really the best uh, people to like. Uh, I guess a lot of people compared it to Boys in the Hood, which was another Singleton movie. Roger Ebert said, uh, Boys in the Hood was one of the most powerful films uh, of its time. Poetic Justice is not its equal, but doesn't expire to be. It's a softer, gentler film, more of a romance uh, than a commentary on social conditions. Unwinds like a road picture from the early 70s in which the characters are introduced and set off on a trip that becomes a journey of discovery. A variety said, though aiming to create a feel for the locale, Singleton periodically loses sight of the audiences, unfamiliar with the lingo. Poetic Justice has a lot to commend, but discipline is not high in its list. Uh, it holds a 31% on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, but a lot of people consider it one of Singleton's most enduring films. Uh, can't go wrong with Janet Jackson. Uh, I think TLC's on there, uh, Tupac, uh, Nate Dogg, Carl, Warren G, uh, Tony, Tony, Tone. Uh, so check it out. I mean, uh, like, uh, I guess uh, I should rewatch it. It's probably been at least 20 years for me. Uh, but yeah, check out Poetic Justice. Now, what about trebuchets? Uh, like, uh, they're a, a French uh, form of a catapult, uh, or that's a French word, a siege engine, which uses a swinging arm to throw a projectile. Uh, they started to first appeared in China in the 4th century BC, spread westward, uh, adopted by the Byzantines in the 6th century. Uh, using manpower to swing uh, the arm. Uh, later, counterweight trebuchet or counterpoise trebuchet used a counterweight to swing the arm. Uh, it's used as, as a compound machine. This is all from Wikipedia. Mechanical advantage of a lever to throw a projectile. There are large ones that made of wood reinforced with metal, leather, rope, and other materials. Uh, probably be getting used next episode. Long beam attached by an axle suspended high above the ground, stout frame and base, uh, such as a beam, beam can rotate vertically through a wide arc over 180 degrees. Uh, a sling is attached to one end of the beam to hold the projectile. Uh, the projectile is thrown when the beam is quickly rotated by applying force to the opposite end of the beam. 
a mechanical advantage is attained primarily by uh, having the projectile into the beam much longer than the opposite end where the force is applied, usually four to six times longer. Uh, powered by gravity, potential energy is stored by slowly raising an extremely heavy box uh, filled with weights uh, attached by a hinge connection to the shorter end of the beam and releasing it on command. Uh, Traction trebuchets are human-powered. On command, men pull ropes attached to the shorter end of the trebuchet beam. The difficulties of coordinating the pull uh, makes counterweight ones better, especially for uh, larger ones, but they're more complicated to engineer. Uh, further increasing their complexity is that winches or tread wheels aided by block and tackle are required to raise the bigger counterweights uh, so while counterweight ones uh, have fewer people to operate, they have uh, they take more time to reload, and long siege uh, reload time can be critical. Uh, when it's loose, the force causes rotational acceleration of the beam around the axle, the fulcrum of the lever, and these factors multiply the acceleration transmitted to the throwing portion of the beam, and it's attached to sling. The sling starts rotating with the beam, but rotates further and therefore faster transmitting this increased speed to the projectile. And that's how it works. Uh, terminology, we don't need that. Uh, hybrids, it looks like they're building a counterweight one. Once it started, you know, using uh, fireworky type stuff, they got a, uh, now they're mostly used to like on, uh, you know, TV shows, uh, throwing pumpkins, uh, and that kind of thing. So, yeah, but we'll see one on the next episode for sure. And uh, then we'll close out the poem. Uh, come on, girls. Uh, do you believe in love? Because uh, I've got something to say about it. And it goes a little something like this. Don't go for second best, baby. Put your love to the test. You know, you know you've got to make him express how he feels. Uh, and then you'll know your love is real. This is by Madonna, by the way. You don't need diamond rings or 18 karat gold. Fancy cars that go very fast, you know, they never last. No, no. What you need is a big, strong hand to lift you to a higher ground. Make you feel like a queen on a throne. Make him love you till you can't come down. Don't go for second best, baby. Put your love to the test, you know. You know you got to. Make him express how he feels, and then he'll know the love is real. Uh, long stem roses are the way to your heart, but he needs to start with your head. Satin sheets are very romantic. What happens when you're not there? You deserve the best in right life, uh, so if the time isn't right, then move on. Second best is be never enough. Uh, you'll do much better, baby, on your own. Yeah, so again, don't go for second best, baby. Put your love to the test, you know? You know you gotta make him express how he feels. Uh, and then you know your love is real. Uh, express yourself. You gotta make him express himself. Hey, 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 hey. So if you want it right now, make him show you how. Express what he's got, baby, ready or not. And when you're gone, he might regret it. Think about the love he once had. Try to carry on, but he won't get it. He'll be back on his knees to express himself. You got to make him express himself. Hey, hey. And so it's just a little bit about what came up in the episode. Uh, thanks.
Uh, hello, hello. My name is uh, Tom, and you may know me as Mikey, but my real name is Tom, and I'm here to tell you a tale uh, with my best friend, Sir Pounce. Uh, Podman said I could go right into our tales, which will be an ongoing, as Podman says, episodically serial modulus series, uh, uh, which I'll tell you about soon. But I'm Tom, and... You may remember me from such roles as your grace, your lord, uh, w- w- first of his name, and many, you know, m- many other important roles I've filled. Uh, uh, you know, things that my mother would say, stop, you know, stop your sniveling. I did it. You know, that is a role I filled. Tom, and what do you keep staring at? Uh, Endless, close your mouth. Those roles are other roles I filled with, but the role I'm most proud of is best friend. I'm a best friend to the greatest cat who's ever lived, the greatest friend who's ever been a cat, and the greatest cat who's ever been a friend. One Sir Pounce. From a faithful day, Sir Pounce came into my life, and we looked one another in the eyes, and Sir Pounce turned away, then looked back then walked away, then pawed my bed and flicked Sir Pounce's tail, then jumped off the bed, and I wondered, where are you going? You're supposed to be my cat and best friend. And then returned eventually and looked at me again, then took a bath slowly in a manner that I attempted to replicate and Mother was not pleased with when I licked my hands. And I said, I'm giving myself a bath. That's what I'm doing, Mother. You know, not in the, you know, not in the throne. What, put your, put your robes on. I'm, I'm bathing myself like Sir Bounce, mother. I lick my hands and then wash myself with my hands. That's how Sir Bounce stays so clean. But those days are behind me with mother in her things, but with friendship and best friendship, the greatest friendship. And I've learned, this is a term I've learned, mammals have ever known. And beyond mammals, you know, there is no friendship beyond mammals that I've heard about. You mammals are doing a great job with befriending. Uh, is Sir Pounce and I. So I just wanted that to be clear. This is a tale of our adventures. As always, there is tales. And these particular adventures take place. It's Sir Tom and, and Sir Pounce. And in the world of Noir Chardonnay. Out there... There's a world where the lights are turned down, there's sepia tones and uh, music playing on a trumpet or a saxophone. And there, in a fedora cap, is Sir Tommen, and at his side, trusty friend Sir Pounce. The two of them are gumshoes, and they make their way in the world. Uh, a world inhabited by another friend they have, Noir Chardonnay, who uh, is so popular in Noir Chardonnay's uh, uh, is that the world is also influenced by Noir Chardonnay. Oh, Noir, Noir. Uh, it is a world where it's rainy and misty, where neon signs reflect in the puddles in the streets. And where around every turn, the actual thing is not that different than Westeros. Around every turn is a vagabond or a person 
in need of uh, of something if something in this case of uh, a hero or two uh with the uh, six legs uh Tommen. and it was one day we had an office in the nightclub run by Noir Chardonnay called Noir Chardonnay uh, in the back was our office uh, where we would hang, listen to the you know the music, uh, wait for Noir Chardonnay to come, and Noir Chardonnay would say, "Make sure to call me by Noir Chardonnay, or they not Scooter, but they don't have a speaking role, so it does not matter." Uh, oh, why is why for me for for the world? Uh, Noir Chardonnay was a great uh, entertainer. And uh, influence of fashion. This is the part that the Podman wrote. Of fashion and style, a trend setter and a trend breaker. That was Noir Chardonnay. But for me, it's about just a wise, sage friend. And it was there uh, where Sir Pounce and I were sitting, enjoying the atmosphere and thinking. When the door to my office opened and someone entered, someone vaguely familiar, I didn't know if they were from my past or my present or my future. And I said, uh, how you doing? Uh, what, what, do you, what, what, what do we do you for? And she said, I'm here for, for, for are you turning and pounce? Uh, it's been too long. And I said, what do you call yourself? Uh, we're here. Uh, what, what do you need? Are you in need of a case? You got something for us? And they said, uh, my, my name's Misela. Misela. And you have lost. I never appreciated the best friendship I had. And I've come to... You know, help you cross over the final threshold to adult. And I said, I'm here to solve cases, not cross thresholds to adulthood. And they said, I think someone's uh, uh, moving pieces like chess pieces. Uh, I feel like I would have wanted to be your best friend. And I tried to be kind to you, uh, uh, sister. And I said, talking, you're talking in metaphors is our game, right, Sir Pounce? Meow. And so pounce me out in the way I just did, but more with a meow, say. Except I did that part. And she went on talking about uh, uh, sibling rivalry and appreciation of a brother um, somewhat difficult. Of uh, She said simple of something, and I said, uh, Anyway, what you know? Let's get let's get down to brass tacks, eh? Originally, when I started doing the voice, I had to keep something in my mouth to be able to do. Oh, sorry to break, but now I can do it. Of natural, so much rehearsals it is. And I said, uh, "Why don't we take a walk, you I and Sir Pounce? This is Sir Pounce, my best friend and cat. Uh, sounds like you've been through a lot." She said, "Oh yes, I have." Uh, I've been through a lot, uh, and, uh, you know, I, I wish, you know, and I, I said, you, you need to talk in stories here. You know, you're talking directly to me, and you're breaking my cover. This is the world of Noir Chardonnay. 
And she said, I said, maybe do it like once upon a time. And she said, once upon a time, there was a girl named Mazella. And she was born into an aristocracy uh, that had was also in the world. She, she, she said, do you watch The Good Place? And I said, I do. Oh, my goodness, I do. I, I love it. And I said, what do you mean? Is that on the tube? Uh, that's for suckers. Uh, but she, she, I, she, she said, pandemonium. And I said, oh, hey, Jason is my favorite character. He said, he makes me laugh so much. But also Derek, I, I see, I see Derek, and I say, "Is that? Do I know you?" When I, okay, so uh, I said, "Oh, interesting, interesting pandemonium, and a bit of a not easy times." And then we walked down a street lined with shops. Uh, so Pounce walking ahead of us, uh, five exactly five point five paces. A slow, slinky walk uh, to help us time our walk. And I took the lead as Sabounce turned and looked in a window of a store, a department store, lining the uh, city streets, a city, you know, that tells, has a thousand tale, tales to tell. Uh, so then Sabounce, you know, moved to Sabounce, but this was only one tale, but Sabounce's tale was moving. And we looked in the shop window, and there in the shop window was everything I needed to to solve uh, this one. It was very nice clothes, uh, a living room scene, a fireplace, and mannequins. But they only had they weren't they were just mannequin uh, torsos and bodies and arms, but no like. Uh, they, 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 they may, may have dealt with my mother. They may, these mannequins may have met my mother at some point. Uh, but they were standing there in the room. But on one side of the room was uh, a, a bigger, grander character who we could say was uh, a king-like character once upon a time with a good, good glass of wine and a turkey stick in his hand. So I told Mazel as I was, you know, using it. You know, this is partially real, partially true. And next to him was a young boy, about uh, you know five or six, and then a, a girl about uh, nine or eleven, and they were seemed to be having a gregarious time with this king-like character who had a. And even though this, he didn't have a big grin on his face, you could see it. He was friendly but unpredictable. Then on the other side of the room was a, like a young boy sitting there staring at the tube with his arms crossed, maybe of age of uh, 11 or 12. Uh, looked like he had eaten something that made, him, made his face uh, make a, a puckery face. And he was taking everything in and judging it and calculating. He, he and just as I've learned the new terms, they would say he was infantile. Though many people would throw that term right at me, and I'd say, "Hey, I'm here, to, but let's get back to the story." Say, and so that boy was sitting there and standing behind him, not far in, taking it in with two other adults, uh, a man and a woman. Uh, 
and if you took time to look at it, you'd say they were standing within each other's personal bubbles, and uh, you could even, if you took a little bit of time, say their elbows were touching on purpose. And they were both looking at the room in a calculating way, a detached way. And uh, Miss Ellis said, I don't understand what this scene is supposed to tell me. I recognize it. Don't get me wrong. And I'd say, yes, yes, Miss Ellis. You do, you do understand. But you haven't. I said this according to Noir Chardonnay. These clothes, this, this is not a nuclear, nuclear uh, family in, in, in some sense, but it is one striving to achieve the nuclearity of, of uh, uh, you know, the, 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 the statistical average family. Mzellu looked at me confused, and I looked at myself confused. But I said, so bounce let us here, because yesterday we were walking with Noir Chardonnay, and they said, this is the past, they say, with their Z's sometimes. And uh, I said, what do you mean? I like that sweater. It uh, has a zipper on it. Uh, and Noir Chardonnay said, this is yesterday, all of this, all of these things. And... Uh, not the future, none of it. Uh, and she was talking, I think, about the clothes and the dynamics, uh, uh, and maybe this laughing king in charge, but a bit of a buffoon. And I don't know, Mazella, but something about that made me feel calm, uh, made me feel good. Maybe it was knowing that one day I'd be cracking cases, see? And, uh, Maybe it was the fact that uh, Sir Pounce jumped in my arms at that moment. I said, oh, Sir Pounce just jumped in your arms, Miss Ella, to get a better look uh, at the past and say, oh, that time is no more. Uh, you know, you, we don't need to even dig deeper into that one. Uh, but to know uh, you and I are looking in the window from the outside in another world, a special world of uh, Noir Chardonnay, yeah? and. Uh, I want to introduce you, Miss Ella. I think we should go and maybe you could, uh, you know, partake of this world and enjoy it uh, as you. And maybe go on a journey that I've been lucky enough to go on. You know, your own journey separate from me. Because I am nearly, you know, only mostly dependent being now. You see, so uh, you could go meet Noir Shun, maybe get a... Get a job, uh, waxing glasses, uh, you know. So I, I want that for you. And it's good to see, but you, yeah, go ahead and pet some pounds. Uh, and that's uh, a hard day here in the big city. Mazella is going to get a job at Noir Chardonnay's, and I'm going to go back to the office with some pounds and wait for the next case. Good night. Okay, if you're new uh, to the show or something, this is where I uh, talk to the gods, old and new, and, and, and new, new, new gods, uh, too. Uh, uh, and I, this is my first time in like 18, 19, 20 months uh, praying to them, unfortunately, between you and me. So uh, 
Uh, it would be a little bit, uh, you know, the first prayer, first prayer of the year and probably last year too. Uh, but just between me and me and you, just between us humans. Uh, okay, here we go. Uh, Crone, Miller, Smith, Barky, uh, Jester, Hound Dog God, Maiden, uh, you know, other gods that are listening in. Uh, definitely not need, you know, D-R-O-N, God, you know, water, you know, uh, uh, whatever the positive version of the Aquarius God is, uh, a pool float, a pool noodle. Maybe there is, anyway, gods, uh, it's me. It's been a while, I know. Uh, hopefully, you know, I've been bringing you amusement with my human, uh, you know, human being human stuff, uh, just human and around. I have, you know, I haven't, you know, I'm sorry I fell out of touch, gods. Uh, I never know how to handle this. Uh, crone, sweet, sweet crone. Miller Smith, Barky Jester. I guess I should just say I'm sorry. I was wrong. And I forget the other parts of the apology. I'm sorry. I was wrong. There's another part. What can I do to fix it, gods? I mean, I can make the most of the next uh, six and a half weeks or whatever we have between us. And uh, so I don't know if I should make it. I don't know how we, what do we do? Uh, Maybe that's why I've been avoiding talking to you by forgetting about it. And, uh, not having it be a priority. I had said to myself, uh, Scooch, you got to get ready. Sweet, sweet Corona is, uh, how are you going to keep her in your life? If, if, if she wishes, uh, you know, to be, how'd I let the sweet, sweet crone fall off of my radar? The miller, the grinder of grains, uh, Maybe that's what I should do, guys, is reintroduce you, because there are people that just know about the, you know, the glory. No offense to other gods. Uh, again, by me promoting other other gods, it doesn't, or saying things about you, it doesn't take away from your your, your godliness. Here's the question, Crone. Do you, have you, I don't know if I brought this up. Have you ever had goddess stressing on anything? And what's the difference between that and green goddess stressing? Okay, so yeah, I guess you're right, Crone. You're so wise at telling me that because this is a podcast, uh, and you know maybe people are listening, and we're here to comfort them, that it would help them know for this first episode who whom you are, who who you are, and of course why I dedicate uh, my time to praising you as opposed to the glory gods. That's what I was going to say. Uh, like the mother, the father, the warrior, and you know, the ma- you know, ma- maiden, uh, you know, the, like uh, pretty, good, you know, the maiden, who you know, I have, you know, I don't really think about at all, except you know, sometimes when I'm writing poetry, and you know, enjoying summer breeze, so, uh, or you know, sometimes I kiss my body. Anyway, maiden, don't worry about it. I'm here talking to the crone. Sweet, sweet crone, Miller Smith, Barky, Jester, and Hound Dog God. So, yeah, let's introduce the lineup and, and let's let the people know why uh, Why would I apologize and be wrong and try to make it up for, for, to you by uh, talking about some of your positive attributes. We have the crone, uh, first off. Uh, 
the sweet, sweet crown, as I like to call her, already given a name, probably in a way, uh, you know, possibly given the name crown by someone, you know, look, that didn't think, to, you know, that wanted to not uh, accentuate the positive parts of the crown. All knowing, all, you know, the crown, always judging. That's one, one of the things we always think about the crown. Always correcting. It generally, it, just for me, I don't know about other praisers of you, crone. You know, generally disappointed. You got high standards. You wouldn't be the crone. You wouldn't be at the top of my list if you didn't. Uh, keeper of bunions, uh, smelling like onions, the crone. You know, crone, I'm just kidding with that, that part. Uh, I don't think you, you, you like, you, well, crone, you're, if you're all seeing, do you know when I'm uh, joking and when I'm serious, the humor is based in truth? Sorry, crone. The crone is the the, uh, the god with the most experience. Uh, and that uh, means that uh, she's seen it all. Uh, except she's, like, here's, I guess, crone, I never realized how you were building my steam. You've seen it all, yet I can still make you sigh. What does that say about me? You know, if you if you you know if you've seen the entire universe and you could still roll your eyes at me, you know, put your hand on your hip in that way that says, uh, you know, and see that crease between your eyes, that cosmic crease, oh, crone. I think I was starting, though, to say, you know, if you're looking for a guy that's unappreciated, that's misunderstood, uh, that, like, uh, you know, you, you, they say don't judge a guy by its book cover or by, you know, its appearance uh, or by your projection of a cosmic ether into a being uh, to be praised. I would say all those things are true. Because uh, the crone is also, you know, teaches me humility, too, to say, well, I don't know everything. I think I do. The crone does. Uh, the crone's been around. Uh, you know, crone, you, actually, if it wasn't for you, who, who would, you know, how would we grow and make apologies? But mostly, crone, I'm just glad to be back in your good, you know, I, what I love doing is getting in your good graces. And falling right out of them. Or, oh, I've never been in your good graces. Well, that's, you know, I, well, one day I will be crone because you're so sweet. I think when I say sweet, sweet crone, I, I, there's a millisecond where I am in your good graces, sweet, sweet crone. So that's a crone, everybody. Uh, there's also, you know, other belief systems that believe in the crone. Some of you might be in disbelief that there is a goddess. Uh, or being a supreme being called the crone. There is, uh, just so you know. Next up, a god that, uh, you know, isn't in the beginning or the end of any shows. Uh, maybe isn't even in the, you know, books or whatever, according to experts. Uh, it's a god we all rely on. It's the Miller. And the Miller's one of those two gods back to back here that's toiling away there. Uh, you wonder, you know, where, uh, you know, who said, uh, who first uh, to a human or, or developing, you know, uh, evolutionary stuff. Well, let's eat that grain and see how it tastes. Uh, that was the miller. Let's grind that grain and see what we could make of it. That was the miller.
Uh, and the other side is the miller's got to do a lot of work uh, to keep us working. I don't think hard work is always comes naturally to us, uh, but it comes naturally to Miller, uh, grinding away, toiling away, mill, you know, milling. You can't, you'll get, you, I've seen the sign on the Miller's house that says, you, you won't catch me chilling. You'll just catch me milling. And even if I'm illing, I'll still be milling. That's Miller. Now, a lot of gods don't like to talk about it because, uh, you know, gods, they just eat ambrosia or drink it or whatever. And you get like, uh, you know, mess around with Cupid like situations. But, you know, the Miller's down here with us, really, uh, or nearby. Miller also likes to see us work because it's, uh, you know, built in the likeness of the Miller, working in the likeness. uh, So Miller appreciates all of us out there, you know, trying to get a good night's sleep to go to work, uh, to put milled stuff on our table, whether it's, you know, kind of milled, metaphorically milled, uh, or how, you know, maybe you're milling your coffee in the morning. Miller's there looking over you smiling and saying, you know, I'm the only guy, I'm one of the only two guys that's working 24 seven without any, uh, things. And let me throw it over the other guy that works really hard, the Smith. Oh, Smith, a forger, uh, you know, uh, what do you call that? Fluing of forges and, uh, you know, pumping out, you know, wear of apron. Oh, resplendent in that apron, that cosmic, co- have I already used cosmic? I have, I guess. Sorry, Miller. Oh, sorry. Oh, boy. Smith, sorry about that. I know the Miller would probably have a cloth apron and you would have a leather apron. Of course, I knew that, Smith. Uh, uh, you know, really pumping the bellows. That's what I was thinking. That's what I was picturing you doing. You who sweat in a different way than the Miller, but still you sweat here among us. Uh, you that, you know, help me forge my things. Uh, you know, a bonder of metals, you know, banger of steels. You're the one who, uh, you know, you're, you're the one who teaches us about alloys and saying, uh, and also the idea that, you know, we could be not to be brittle, right? Oh boy, Smith, uh, that it's the work and the heart, you know, some things, you know, some, when you say it's pounding or whatever, it's too hot, uh, Maybe that's the Smith behind the scenes working so hard uh, to make sure we're there. So thank you, Smith. Uh, sorry, I got to keep moving though. Miller Smith. Uh, oh, let me bark. I'll save you for last. Uh, Jester, you were once among us in one of the seasons. Uh, you've been, you, you know, the actor that portrayed you has had great success since then. He really is a heartthrob, in my opinion, and uh, you are too. And you know that the throbbing of the heart uh, is sometimes the purest when we're laughing, oh, Jester. And you also, you know, keep, you say that, uh, you know, sometimes just being you is hilarious uh, to other people. Uh, You know, when we're dropping food or... We're dropping jokes. It's uh, because you you uh, have shown the way, oh jester. And I want to thank you for that and for you know keeping me keeping me um 
laughing at myself and say, you know, because sometimes, you know, we, we do take things so seriously. And you help balance out the wisdom of the Chrome. Chrome, sorry, Chrome. Chrome, do you use Chrome, the Chrome browser? Or Smith, did you work with Chrome? Chrome, I heard Chrome's the worst to work with. Sorry, Jester, I'm back. Uh, I just want to say thanks for uh, balancing the stuff out. A hound dog, God. You're not, like, I guess you're in both worlds now. You've returned to Earth uh, or Westeros. I guess that's not Earth. And you're you're back, or you've been back for a while. I don't know how I left things with you, uh, but I still think you haggard like a hound dog. You know, is a hang dog look like a hound dog look, hound dog god? You were a god, they say, I invented, just like a lot of the other ones. Mostly that was the father, mother, and uh, warrior. Because yeah, they, they, those are the gods that know, they think they know everything, unlike the crone who does. Yeah, but Hound Dog God, I just wanted to thank you for being in both worlds. You know, keep an eye on us, uh, you know, helping out where you could, you know, try, you know, saying, where, where's my place in the world? Uh, you know, my place is with, uh, you, I think your place, is, well, we'll see where, I, I mean, I'm hoping, you know, where your place is going to be soon. But I like seeing you. And I've always been a found fan of yours, Hound Dog God. Okay, um, who who's next? Whom whom is next? Is what I should have said. Excuse me. Is Barky? Oh, Barky. Oh, how I've missed you, Barky. You know, you, you know, the North uh, is going to probably be a centerpiece of this season that I haven't seen yet. And there's been a lot of trees that we've seen recently, you know, but you are the wisest of the trees. You're the oldest of the old gods. Uh, you know uh, why the one-eyed raven is oh so raven. And you know, if, you know, you know, you know what we don't know, but probably about brain and stuff. And you stay still say, I'm a tree. You also probably know about Groot, and maybe you saw uh, the you know the new movie I left out for you. That again was a rental that I was hoping to get back so I could return it because that one was from Redbox, so they're still charging me, Barky. Uh, but you know, Groot was uh, going through those tween years, which maybe was confusing to you. And I don't know, because I didn't read anything on the internet, the theories, is this a Groot or a new Groot? Uh, but I don't know, Barky. So, but you're the god, you know, that's uh, got branches everywhere. You got the roots in the earth uh, and your fingers in the sky. Your trunk stands uh, between the heavens and the land we walk upon. You shield us from the sun and the rain, oh, Barky. Barky, you just make me laugh. You like you think the jester, but whenever I say Barky, I just feel good, and I do think about you know hugging a tree. I don't know when that became a pejorative, like uh, because I think hugging a tree is pretty darn great, uh, and it's also not easy. I think people act like oh, it's so easy to hug a tree. Well, there's not a lot. Of, not every tree you can wrap your arms around. First off. Uh, second off, uh, have you felt bark? It's not, you know, it's nice barky, but, uh, it's more feeling the spirit of the tree, right? Uh, 
I guess that's what they mean when they say tree hugger, but I mean giving a hug to hugging a tree, which is, uh, uh, you, well, Barky, you know, I'm giving you a, a hug from my heart right now. Here's the thing, Barky. We, I don't know if I've kissed a tree. I probably have. Uh, this is just an imagination. I think the first tree I'd like to kiss would be a cherry tree. It, just because I like something about the bark on a cherry tree. Maybe it's because it's got, is, well, first off, Barky, is there red, reddish bark on a cherry tree? Because if so, I'd like to kiss a cherry tree. But here's another question, Barky. Do squirrels go number one in trees? Because uh, that'd be good to know. Uh, but I'd like to hug and kiss a tree. Just you know, just you no, know, you know, just a platonic uh, joy, out of the joy of love, uh, Barky, for you, uh, the tree that I, you know everyone adores, Barky. And we got you know we got six weeks together, gods. I think uh, coming up here. It's been my pleasure to be with you, uh, and, you know, I'll be talking to you, I'll talk to you in a week or, or less, uh, and then hopefully now the listeners have a general idea, they're probably more, maybe they, hopefully they're relaxed or they slept, uh, but they know they could say Barky and feel good, they know that the hound dog, God, walks in both worlds, just like us, sometimes shoulders slumped and confused, uh, they know that the jester's dancing around in a gold robe, laughing and being witty, and that that's always something cool to know about. Uh, uh, they know that uh, uh, Smith and the Miller are working hard. Not hard. There's never been a time they've been hardly working. Uh, so that's good. And they're the two the two gods that can relate, right, Miller and Smith? Not so much. Well, you know, they can relate to our hard work here. And then the crone, sweet, sweet crone, you know, oldest of the old gods, but in the best possible way. Uh, and, the, you know, the god I give, you know, between you and Barky crone, uh, that's why I end and start with you two. Uh, the guy, you know, the guy that I love to, 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 you know, the, the you know, the guy I'm closest to, Crone, you know, that's true. Uh, and the first guy, I, and the last guy, I say I'm sorry to, Crone, Crone, sweet, sweet Crone, I missed you so. Maybe I could carry you with you, with you beyond this season, uh, you know, our relationship, uh, especially if you could start giving me some foresight, uh, that would be sweet, uh, not that I'm holding out, Crone, uh, but just be great, you know, my praise. You know, I know that people don't say this because it's not polite, but it'd be nice if my praise was getting me somewhere. Oh, but that's just a human in me talking. So valuable, Crone. You know that later my clothes will be covered in food that I spilled on me, and you and Jester will be having a laugh. Uh, and I did it for you, Crone. Oh, crone, sweet, sweet crone, Miller Smith, Barky, Jester, Hound Dog, God, good night.